sunbenders alike, welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney, and my partner in crime, Dante Bosco, is on location. I wanted to say on assignment, but it is not related to this podcast, but it did make him sound more like a news person. He is on assignment, cannot be here today. For those of you, including Dante and myself, who have been patiently, or in some cases impatiently, me, waiting for us to have this Dynamo on the podcast, our wait is finally over. I am so happy to welcome my friend, sometimes collaborator of many years, uh, the truly one-of-a-kind voice of Azula, the brilliant Grey Delisle. I'm realizing right now that it's very bad timing, that it will seem like you have made sure that Zuko is not around for this podcast so that he can quickly take over. It's excellent timing. I'm very punctual, and I had him banished for this episode. So, (laughs) (laughs) I love doing cons with you because you are so generous with that voice and with voices that you do when people say what they love you for. You are so welcoming. The first time we did a con together, I always stand up behind the table and talk to people and like I stand and I feel like oof I look how active I am and then I look over and my friend my beautiful friend is wearing a beautiful dress and she's standing in front of the table <laughs> like oh I need to move out in front of the table if I want to be as generous with my That's time and energy I don't feel like I'm great. enough I'm not enough for people that's how I feel inside so I'm like I need to give them more <laughs> It is so lovely. People absolutely love it. And so I'm so happy that you were able to do the podcast. I know you've seen on Twitter that like every week, at least one person is like, um, I'm offended that you haven't had Graham. Like, but Azula hasn't been on the show yet. That's me posting under one of my accounts. Like, I am offended. No, I am. And I'm like, oh, darn it. How many fake identities have you created for that? (laughs) <laughs> I was gonna say something about our con experience together is that I'm always like in the middle of like, blah, 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 you know, doing some <laughs> ridiculous voice. And then I look over and Janet's got like tears in her eyes and is like grasping someone's hands and looking deeply into their soul. And they're telling her about like some life story, you know, and I'm just like, oh, wow, this is like very genuine, you know, but like I'm having a totally different time than she is right now. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know what? Yes. There is a lot of truth in what you say. I will admit there's a lot of truth in what you say. Yes. You're an empath. So you you bring them in and, you know, and it's so it's so healing for some. My thing is like people are laughing and stuff and yours. They're like, oh, I just saved like thousands of dollars on therapy because I waited to talk to Janet and now I'm fixed. (laughs) Wait, how did you and I meet? Do we meet through Matthew Lillard? Like a million years ago when yes, yes. I couldn't remember until this moment when I was just trying to remember seeing you. I was trying to remember before we started podcasting. You were one of those people. He was always like, you have to meet my friend. You have to meet my friend. And I was like, oh, OK. Which everyone was saying that. Like all of our <laughs> friends said that. But Matt won the prize of actually facilitating us meeting. And also when people usually when people say like, you remind me of so and so. Then I meet them. and I'm like. This horrible person that never stops talking and, oh, no, it's me. You know, I don't like me. Anyway, (laughs) but with you, I was like, I love her. And we were instantly, it was one of those play readings that Matthew would do at his house. Yes. He's like the quintessential actor's actor, always having play readings and being so creative. Um, Yeah. And we just instantly loved each other so much. And yeah, so that, that, yeah. It's so true. And I feel so, I look up to you as a voiceover actress and I always know when I audition for something. Something that if you are not too busy, I will not get that role because you will get it and do it better. But it's a treat when I'm like, nope, she's all booked up. I got it. So she must be all booked up and I will take those scraps. I will happily take those scraps. Vulture circling over my dead career. (laughs) 
Uh-huh. Not at all. Um, well, it's funny that you would bring up Maddie Lillard being such an actor's actor, which he absolutely is and has such a reverence and respect and love of theater and of the writing of scripts and, you know, really reveling in that. And I think you and I, one of the many, many things that you and I connected on early was that we do a lot of different stuff. And so I don't think we necessarily have sunk as deep into the roots of theater in that way. Um, I mean, you right now are recording an album. Mm -hmm. Even right now, you have stuff going on above and beyond somehow yeah. all of the voiceover work do you, that you do, right? Well, the mom thing is kicking my butt, I have to say. And you're a mother of some very important children. This morning, I was volunteering... <laughs> I was a crossing guard, like volunteering because it was gardening day at my my five year old school. So, but I took I took a selfie with my vest on because I just thought like I look so cute in this little vest with like the little stop sign and everything. And then I, I put it up and I was like, I I volunteered today and I hope no children died while I was taking this selfie. <laughs> No. I was like, I thought, oh, my God. I mean, I went, I you know, when you have anxiety and you go all the way there with every, like, scenario that pops up. Yes. I was just like, oh, my gosh. Oh, that would be so awful. Like, if that had that happened. That would happen to me. And then they yeah. had this selfie of me. And, like, and the mom was taking a selfie when it happened. Anyway, I just, I really played out that whole thing. <laughs> like, that would be bad. But it didn't happen, though, Gray. Um, you also, I very, very early on, uh, again, many, many years ago, met uh, the only child you had at the time, which, uh, who was Tex, who is basically a prodigy in so many different forms of what it. a prodigy can do and be. It blows my mind. He has his own whole series of careers right now. How, how's he doing? He's just taking over the dang world. It's unbelievable. Listeners may know him. He played Lincoln Loud on The Loud House for a couple of seasons. But um, now he is like a major player in the contemporary art world. Like he's had his... <laughs> it's craziness. Listeners, you know I'm laughing, not because it's dumb. I'm laughing because it's just like, of course. <laughs> But it is bananas. <laughs> uh -huh. But yeah, he is like sells his work for like thousands of dollars. And he was like on the cover of the art section in the L.A. Times like a month ago. He, he sold out his show at the L.A. Art Show. He was the only child to ever be in the show, like someone under 18. And now he is going to be a special exhibition at the Louvre Museum in Paris. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing was, though, he was failing math for a few days before we got that news. So he was like in a bunch of trouble. And then that Louvre thing really took the edge off his being in trouble. I think he's like, yeah, he's, uh, dug his way out of that. <laughs> but yeah, and he's also designing the sets for an art show on HBO, which I can't say what it is right now, but yeah. he is designing all of the backdrops and painting. They just said, uh, just go to town. This is the thing. I should be more surprised by all of this than I am. But uh, in truth, I'm not really very surprised at all because he's just extraordinary. He used to have such a huge crush on you. It was so cute. And now he's like 6'2". <laughs> anyway, you wouldn't even recognize him. He's like, oh. I'm so glad that I played an early muse in his artistic inspiration. I <laughs> will go ahead and take a lot of credit for that. And what about the music that you're recording? I mean, you've been a musician forever, have managed to squeeze that in here and there in between all these other projects. What are you working on now? Well, everything. <laughs> it's so funny because I, I used to do records all the time before I had kids. And then I didn't write anything. I've not written a song until since the text was like before he was like conceived. And now so it's 
it's been 15 years. And um, and during the lockdown, my brother moved in because everybody needed a little help during that. I took sure. in a bunch of people. So we had like a weird little commune, like, don't go anywhere. Did you go someplace? You know, we were like, uh-huh. we, we, we could be free and not it. and not wear masks like in the backyard and stuff. When But mm, took my brother in. He was like, you never play music anymore. What's going on? And I was like, ah, he's like, we should do a little a little thing for charity. Let's do some like things for Bandcamp. So we did like these little charity albums for Bandcamp, which was just all covers. And I, I got the auto harp out again, which I ha- I haven't played in so Love long. It. And then just the act of strumming and singing and doing harmony with my brother. And we raised some money for a battered women's shelter. And we raised money for, oh, a musician's assistance program. Um, and then like, it's like that muscle was like, oh, yeah. And then I was going to sleep. Yes. And I couldn't sleep because I'm like, I a song, a song, a song. I, it's coming. And I've written 50 songs since the lockdown. Five zero. Yeah. I recorded an entire kids album. Amazing. DJ Bonebreak from X is our drummer. We got Deke Dickerson Amazing. on guitar. Murray from the Old Night Sevens, my ex-husband. He's playing bass. Uh, my partner, Eddie Clendenning, who's like, he was on Broadway as Elvis and like, he's amazing. I wrote 11 kids songs and we did 11 YouTube videos. We're launching that record this month. Amazing. We started a kids band called the Roughhousers. But I also am putting out all these other like, you know, country folk type records as I am want to do. And I've got like three totally different types of records that are almost in the can right now. Yesterday we recorded six new songs, but I keep writing new ones so we can't keep up with them. <laughs> Let it flow, baby. I, I know, I know. So I'm like, I send him to my partner sometimes and I'm like, I'm sorry. He's like, another one? I can't. And he's like, I'm just going to listen to it like when we're closer to recording because I can't keep them all. And I'm like, it's an embarrassment of riches. That's fair. Yeah. But you got to get it out. He's going to do it in his time. It's perfect. Yeah. Now, for anybody listening who is not familiar with Gray as a human person, and you really do think of her as Azula, I'm sure it's become very clear to you that Gray is very much the anti-Azula in how collaborative she is, in how gentle and kind and wonderful and funny and goofy and great she is. Azula does not necessarily endear herself to people quite the way that Gray does. And yet you just hit the nail on the head with the whole tone of that character. When you came on the show, it was a little different than the pilot, right? Because the show had been on for a bit, but it had probably not aired. Do you remember like what the production timeline was like for you when you were brought in as Azula? I remember reading on it and not feeling like I did because I, I made a decision to be very underplayed with it and not like evil. You know, I I, yeah. I just was very like cold and I said these horribly horrific things. But, you know, when you're evil, you just you don't even realize how horrible it sounds. <laughs> She's sort of like a exactly. malignant narcissist. Um, but yeah, oh, um, and it's you know my own mother thought I was a monster. She was right, of course, but it still hurt. Um, so I, I was very like matter of fact with my horribleness, and I thought that was a great choice until I didn't hear anything for months. Sure, um, but I, apparently I think they went out to some more uh, on camera people. So, but they came crawling back at the end, and I ended up getting it anyway. But um, you got your revenge on all of them by being great in their show. <laughs> Ah, evil laugh. <laughs> but also the strange thing is, is that I went out into the world years after that series aired and everything. And I didn't even know about the concept of conventions. But Tara Strong is a good friend and she started to do these conventions. And she pretty much, I think, was like bored and wanted like a buddy at these things. And she was like, you should do conventions. And I was like, what is that? And she's like, you just go and and you sign autographs and, you know, and you can make money for the kids, you know, college funds and all that. And I was like, really? It seems like so bizarre to me. And so she said, well, just come with me to Florida. So she brought me to the thing and I bought a headshot. But I was like, what are we signing? I don't know. I had never signed like a picture of my 
character. Um, this was like sure. the early days. Yeah. So I sat down with my little stack of headshots and no one was interested. She had a line out the door and I was like, wow, she's God, I've done a lot of things. Yeah. But then someone came up and said, did you play Azula on Avatar The Last Airbender? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe. That's a sound familiar. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that well, it sounds been like, familiar. I know. It had been like, you know, three years or four. And, you know, people don't understand, like, you know, it maybe total, it was maybe three hours of my life, you know, at that point. Right. They left the table for a while. And then they Googled it and they came back like, yes, you were Azula. And I was like, okay, I just Googled myself too. And yes. And oh my gosh, that was such an incredible character. I loved it. And, I, and then it all came flooding back to me. I was like, sure. oh yes, I go insane. You know, all those things. And so then it was like the ants to the sugar because they went and told their friends there's a sugar cube sitting over there at that conference table. <laughs> and then my con career was born, and that's how it was. That's right. <laughs> so Azula, that's got to be one of the most popular ones from then till now. I am so grateful. I'm so grateful to this character. And and also going, now I've familiarized myself so much more with the performance and the storyline, and, and I feel so grateful to have been part of such an incredible, I mean, it's so well written and at the time, it was like, my line, my line, my line, you know, because I have like a lot of, you know, I'm a single mother and I had all these things to do. And so, you know, you get a script yeah. and you're like, what do I need to know right now? OK, right. so reading the situation and but I wouldn't read the whole script. And now I'm like, oh, my gosh, these scripts are so good. I feel so bad. <laughs> They're like, like high art. A lot of cartoons are not high art, Janet, as I'm sure you are. Correct. Aware. Anyway, so I, you know, I then I felt bad and I researched and, and now I, I am in a different city every weekend. And my children's college funds are steadily <laughs> growing. It's And by the way, I just also remember that you are the person who told me about cons. So yes. you paid it forward from or you paid it backward. I don't know how that works. But <laughs> you definitely said, you know, you are a people person. And I think that was really important, again, yes. for those people who are like, is Azula a people person? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, but Gray is. And also, that's what a fun thing to experience as you know, occasionally I get to play a jerk character and there's something so satisfying about making someone happy by being accessible to them, yet also still being the villain in their mind. Like you give them both things. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's hard for me, too. It's hard. Like I can't yell or hit things like my therapist is like, you know, you can hit the pillow. You can yell. And I'm like, I don't want to yell, really. I'll just I, I'm just going to cry and, and melt inside. Oh, and it's funny that you said Azula's a people person because that was one of her lines. She actually says, like, I'm a people person. Like she has no idea totally. how awful she is. Totally. Um, and everyone is too afraid of her to tell her she's not. Yes. I. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes. It is hard to be mean. People go insult me and I want to make you so happy but it's so I probably ruined it because I've completely insulted them as Azula and at the end I'm like but I'm sure you're a really wonderful person and great loves you but you know I know Azula said that and I hope you don't take it I don't I just don't want it to be some edited viral video where they're like and then she insulted me she's so awful right. <laughs> Yeah, you always take a little bit of a chance when you do videos and stuff like that. You sort of hope there's definitely a trust exchange happening between you and and a fan. Even yeah, just at a con when they want you to say something or you know call and wish their kiddo happy birthday, which I think that's something that we've discovered on this podcast and just in general conversations with voiceover actors is that it feels really good to have the feedback, you know, that so much of voiceover used to be that you would just put it out there and you just didn't have the same rate of exchange that someone maybe on camera or someone 
someone who's doing theater shows or someone who's a stand-up comedian, what they get is just perhaps different and more direct. And then now, you know, we live in this world where people want to have that kind of exchange with voiceover actors and want to hear all of the voices in person. Um, I tried to do uh, an impression of Azula um, on the first season of the podcast. I write these fake ads and uh, I didn't want to say like, can you just record this on your phone? I'll explain later. And so I thought it'd be funny if I tried to do an impression and it was not great. So I'm, I'm, I loved the backstory of how you came to Azula's voice and she is so distinctive and somehow you managed to sound like both an evil queen who's lived for a hundred years and a teenage girl, which I think is also a tremendous achievement. Um, Let's guide me towards doing Azula's voice. It's hard to teach people, right? It's hard to kind of explain it's like to her someone. Her eyebrow is arched in her soul, so I always like. She you know, always has her eyebrows arched, and yes. she sort of goes into more of like a. It's up in my throat, and I've been around for a very long time. Sort of a standard American. <laughs> it kind of goes through the mask as well. Yes, just a little bit nasal, but not quite because. It, but yes, it's very elevated. A little bit nasal. Zuki, what? That's my Azula. Yes, Zuzu. My Azula calls him Zuki. <laughs> Zuki. That's how. <laughs> That's how we distinguish them. <laughs> it's like the. It's like that's the, how to know when someone's trying to sell you a fake Azula. You can always tell. Look for the label. It's like we buy the Zukis on the border, and they're badly sprayed. The paint is a little smudged. Yeah, the quality is not there. It's just not there. Her <laughs> lightning is also uh, puce. It's lightning light, and it doesn't actually hurt anyone. So <laughs> that's also a problem with an off-brand Azula. Um, I, I have to say one thing about like someone taking something out of context on accident. Or like, or you're like, I hope to God somebody doesn't take it out of context. It's like sometimes people ask for autographs and they ask me to say something. It sounds like I'm so full of myself. It's like, dear Peter, I am the best voice actress ever in the whole world that you would ever know. And you are my greatest fan. And I am glad that you are a fan who adores me. So I don't know. Yeah. I hope they don't yeah. put this up someplace and have people go, oh, what a horrible lady. <laughs> anyway, okay, but go ahead. Oh. So you were going on to the next voice that you said. Well, I was going to say that one of the early voices I heard you do that remains my favorite is the sort of like the woman who's sort of, she's not that old. Like, you know, that voice, that voice I love. She's been recycled a lot. Of, she's been recycled a lot of places because uh, she started out as a lady who used to go to our church and Verna. And, uh, yeah, she couldn't hear very well, and the pastor would do the sermon, and there was a lady who traveled with her that was in her 40s, and she just made sure that the lady could hear. And so if he ever went over time on the sermon, it was funny because she would go, I have to, I've got to go. I have to leave here. Oh, no. And then you would hear her, her assistant telling her it's okay because he's almost wrapped up. Well, okay, I hope so. <laughs> well, I, because I have people coming later. <laughs> but I always loved her because I hated church when I was little. And I was like, oh, yes, she started talking. Because she would like be, uh, uh, <sighs> it is one o'clock and I have to go. You know, and if he started still talking, she was like, we stay on my schedule. And, <sighs> and I was always like, yay, I hope the lady starts noticing that he's going over and she'll start talking to him. <laughs> and he would hear her too. Like everyone heard her. One time we had to say a silent prayer where it was like, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes and, and let's just pray for anyone at home right now who might not have been able to make it to church today because they're sick. I called her because she bowed her head and she silently said to herself, Vera. <laughs> <laughs> I really 
really don't know what her name was, but I just always that stuck with me, Vera, because I was like, that's her <gasps> saying it silently to herself. She has no idea I that everybody people. can hear her. And the entire church cracked up. We were all like, oh. and then it seemed like we were oh. laughing at her sick friend at home. No. Not. You love people. You are delighted by people and all of their foibles and quirks. And you just soak that in. You always soak it in. And that's one of the things I love about the quality of your voiceover and your voices as well is that it is very clear that you are bringing the emotion of that character into a voice for a voice to be that specific and sort of and just to me very very funny but very recognizably like oh I know that lady like we all know some version of her and I feel very fond of her do you know what I mean and I mean you really become these characters and you can really tell the difference in performance between someone who is so focused on the sound of their voice or on what the words are that maybe on some level they're proficient, but there's something missing. And I think that's one of the things that makes you stand out even more so is just that it's all there. It's a whole package and you bring that humanity in. And that's what makes someone like Azula, you know, you kind of love her anyway, because you're like, oh, you are a hot mess. And also that she's got, she's so wounded. Like she, you know, you kind of feel for her because like, God, it's not her fault. She, you know, she's just didn't have such a great, you know, start. Yeah. Um, but that old lady voice got used for scoots on Nickelodeon for the Loud House. I I was supposed to be just some old lady, like a couple lines in one episode. And then she got a little bit more, a little bit more. And she sort of came to life. She's much more cantankerous. That, that lady was sweet. Well, she was a little bit grumpy. But, but Scoots <laughs> yells at everybody like this. Scoots is always yelling like that at the kids. She can't stand them. But anyway. So good. Shout out to Loud House. <laughs> Loving the Loud House. A loud shout out. Loud House shout out. I want to ask you a few more questions about uh, Avatar-specific stuff. Okay. Do you have a hybrid animal that you particularly like from that universe? Or even just a combination of two animals that you can't think you've seen yet, but that you would love to see combined? I mean, obviously, we have our Momos. We have our Appas. We have Komodo rhinos who are popular in the Fire Nation. Anybody spring to mind? I just want a little tiny Appa. They're so cute. I love dachshunds, and I think it'd be cute to see a little doc a, a dapa and, you know a just tiny, an appa with like dapa. short little legs and it just like i just love the <laughs> i love the walk of the dachshund so um I feel like yeah I it would dapa. be more convenient if you had a more reasonably sized appa that you could cuddle with that didn't need a barn and a, and a bunch of hay people bring little appas for me to sign and i'm always like i hold them a little extra long before i give them back and i also feel bad about my and then kids. everyone over on the good side of things is like i'm sorry uh don't let her sign that appa i know well, yeah. the, Azula does not get to sign an oppa. Azula <laughs> has not earned the right to, to sign an oppa. I'm allergic. I'm allergic. <laughs> the dander. I can't handle it. <laughs> Are there episodes that you remember? Again, I don't want to spring stuff on you, but I feel like this comes up a lot now because you have so much interaction with fans and you guys did that wonderful Avatar reunion uh, during the pandemic that made so many people so happy. And then I watched just grinning like I'm, I have such a fan um, knowing that this was coming, knowing that the podcast was coming and being like, I can't wait to mine this group of people and bring them all on the podcast. Um, are there episodes that you uh, especially love? Uh, 
uh, Azula centric episodes or just uh, episodes in your, you know, revisiting of the show that you're like, oh, that's a great episode and Azula's not even in it. Oh, no, I don't like any of the ones that I'm not in. But um, okay. the, All right. <laughs> the Beach is my favorite episode. I just yeah, love even so when I read that I did read that entire script before I even recorded it because I was just like, oh, my gosh, it's so interesting to see this character have a crush on someone she doesn't know how to do it she's never been you know and so she's like i can't handle i've got to dominate everything and you know and it just and that kid's face you know (laughs) yeah i really the sharp outfit chan it's so good and that's a perfect example (laughs) sharp enough to puncture the hull of an empire class fire nation battleship leaving thousands to drown at sea because it's so sharp (laughs) <laughs> Every, everything is like some horrific like battle we'll be this, together we will this be the strongest couple in the entire world we will dominate the earth and he's just like uh <laughs> i like buns i like I to know, eat delicious I know. and she's so beautiful too it's like <laughs> yeah she's very beautiful <laughs> she ruined it for herself i know people like that in real life where it's like you're very attractive your personality is not That's helping right. you. Just enjoy those looks. Yeah. Yeah. And just be yeah. shy. Even just the episode where she rounds up May and Ty Lee, like, you know, that's like, oh, oh, how fun. She's got some friends. Wow. Are they? Wow. I feel like she threatened to kill. I mean, set her little wire on fire. It's like, oh, oh, did you not want to do trapeze anymore? So you are going to come with me then. <laughs> just like, yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah. so. <laughs> And there is this kind of sense of, you know, she knows what she's doing, but it also seems like there's no other possible thing she could have done. Like, she knows that it's scary, but there's also the way you play it and the way it's written. There's a sense of, well, what else would I do? There's no sense of, like, I could have just asked nicely. Like, ultimately, it was going to come to this. Like, I love the sense of shrug. It's, like, logical, but, like, this terribly cold logic. Exactly. That matter-of-fact horribleness. Yeah. The beach. So, so good. (laughs) Any ships that you embrace in the Avatarverse, whether it's Azula or others? Well, I'm famous for shipping Tizula because part of me thinks that she got a little jealous of like all those boys like being interested in Ty Lee at that party. Yeah. She was sort of like, you're mine. And some people get upset about it, but That's but some people really enjoy thinking of like, where are they now? Like, And I'm like, well, they're adult now. And I have like a whole thing where they're like at the Boiling Rock. That's where they've like retired, you know, and I... <laughs> It's just a very, um, they're just in like a little bossy relationship. I don't know. Who knows? But I mean, you know, <laughs> if they're into it, they just like love me to like pretend. Like I'll start by going, Ty Lee, get me a chai latte. You know, and I'm, re- I'm doing my cameos now and I don't want to be disturbed. Anyway, and then I just, I have like a whole thing where I'm yelling at her off screen. Anyway. <laughs> That's so good. I love that. I love Tizula. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to ship with Azula because you do sort of have to roll with the punches of, I mean, listen, she might not be the greatest person to be in a relationship with, but we do love her. And can someone change her? But we don't want people to think that they should change people. Tylee probably just wants to fix her. Like, I just want to fix her. I feel like if she was loved enough that she could really, you know, but that, but Gray's even learned that lesson. We've all learned that one. Well, you know, listen, Tylee might be a great choice because ultimately, if Azula's getting out of hand, she can just block her chi. Yes. And there really isn't anyone else, I mean, in that world at that time, in that time frame that we know of that can really do that. And so she might be keeping everyone else very safe by being the person that you <laughs> the spend. sacrificial lamb, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. 
That's right. That's right. But the lamb who can block your chi. So, you know, the sacrifice only goes Uh, so far before she's like, nope, boom, boom, boom. You can't do any fire (laughs) bending right now. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I love that. And then I have to ask, what kind of bender would you be? I mean, are you leaning hard into Fire Nation like I'm Dante does? Hard. I'm leaning hard. <laughs> I feel like, you know, like it's almost like being Gryffindor or something. It's like if even you come at me with the Hufflepuff, no. You know, it's just like you can't. <laughs> yeah, I just really own the own the lightning. And I mean, it's so cool and it's beautiful. And um, it is beautiful. And it burns. And it burns. <laughs> That's another great I go on and on about the Avatar art book all the time because there are so many great nuggets in there uh, from Mike and Brian where you really find out the inception of things. And that concept of knowing that you would want Azula to bend blue lightning because there's a coldness and a precision and a cold beauty to it is like, oh, of course you came up with a way to grow her personality outside, like with all the bending. Mm -hmm. Um, But with her in particular, it's like, what a great signature for who she is, right? Yeah. And that blue is just, there's just something about it. It's it, And it's almost like her. It's like beautiful, but dangerous. Like, I mean, it's like, ooh, cool. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> yeah. So many people have said that they've had, they, they like had their first rumblings of like of attraction, you know, watching that as kids, like they're adults now, but they're like, I remember going, oh, I think I have a, is that a crush? That's a weird little feeling I've got. Yeah. But yeah, she's sort of like draws you in like the blue, but then you're like, ugh, that blue is so signature and perfect that I've actually gotten a ton of, of paint pens in that exact color to sign things because yes. people just really like they're like oh the blue light you know that color it's like such a yes a specific kind Smart. of thing yeah so <laughs> yeah and two to have that color that was so strongly associated with the water tribe through yeah. the entire first season and so there's something very exploitative about yes. it too i think to see that color in the context of the fire nation that you keep thinking of as being black and orange and gold and red and all of a sudden you have this blue light. Like now I'm appropriating your watercolors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. Yes. It's <laughs> truly adding insult to injury. It is, it is literally adding <laughs> insult to injury. <laughs> I would love to let people know, of course, I'm sure they already have found you or following you and are reveling in all of the other work that you're doing. But please tell everyone where they can find you. If there are any parents out there or any, anybody who likes like sort of old style, cool, like rockabilly type, you know, um, Buddy Holly or, you know, um, George Jones or any of that. We made the best kids record ever. The record's called Princess Mike. And you can go to the roughhousersband.com and our record is out. We're launching our first single, Princess Mike. It's cool. So anyway, the roughhousersband.com if you want to listen to the first single, Princess Mike. And I know as a parent, you have such an acute understanding of like when you are listening to the music that your kids want to listen to. Like Avatar, there are a wide range of quality levels to what is going to speak to you as a parent and what is going to speak to your child. So I love that you are making something, putting it out there that if your kiddo does want to listen to it, 11 times in a row over and over and over, the parent actually enjoys it and isn't like, 
oh, this wasn't made for me, too. I would never play kids' music for my kids. If they were into something, I was like, no. I would vet it, and then I'm like, mm-mm. And, and so I would say, no, we're going to listen to Johnny Cash, or we're going to listen to Buddy Holly or the Beatles, or no, we're not. Sure. So this is all, like, derived from all the stuff that I would play instead of the kids' music because it has funny stories. And it's not about teaching you anything. It's kind of like the bad kids where, like, it's like Johnny and June meets the Wiggles or something, you know. <laughs> That's so smart. I'm not saying smart like it's not like artistic. Oh, how shrewd of you. Not in any way. We're going to take over the music industry. No. (laughs) (laughs) Very calculated. It's terrifyingly smart. Um, it is really funny that we don't have Zuzu here for anybody who wanted to hear that crossover of Cora and Azula. It's just it's perfect. You know, Cora deals with a lot of very strong women. On The Legend of Cora, you play one of them. Yes, Mingwa. Henry Rollins played my boyfriend. Henry Rollins was your boyfriend. And I was like such a huge Henry Rollins fan. I had to pretend like I didn't know him. I was like, if it starts, if you take one little like pebble out of the dam, it is going to be over. And so I just never Uh spoke to the man. (laughs) He probably thinks I'm just such a meanie. He's like, oh, she really is Azula. Because I just couldn't. I was like, don't start talking or you're never going to stop. So you just need to just look at your script and behave yourself. But every time he would leave, I was like, oh, my gosh. I love him so much. And he's my boyfriend on the show. I mean, I was just like. (laughs) So, yeah. My next goal now is when we get to Cora, boy, I really want to have you and Henry on the same episode. Oh, my (laughs) God. Just force you to have to talk to him. This has been the joy that I knew it would be. I'm so, so glad that we were able to do it. Zuzu, we miss you. We're very no, we sorry that Azula commented. No, <laughs> I love hanging out with you. I never see you enough. And if we can do this every now yes, and again. please. Would you like to take us out of the podcast as Azula and just say whatever you would like the listeners to know um, as we end this podcast? You're all banished from this podcast now. You can all rot. But I love you and I'm not a bad person. Bye. Bye. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Next time on Braving the Elements, fan favorite Jack DeSena joins us for a recap of The Cave of Two Lovers Secret Tunnel. Thank you so much for listening to Avatar Braving the Elements. And hey, make sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a review. All of that really helps the podcast so much. And we love you guys. You can follow me on social media at the JV Club on Instagram and at Janet Varney on Twitter. We'll see you next Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>